Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I can see Iffy's face right now well, as I come in. I just thought I saw you roll your eyes. Oh yeah, no, I, I was just, I was just like looking over because I'm bad uh, with remembering names of things, and so I keep looking at this in front of me, which you'll hear in just a second. I don't want to spoil the surprise. Wait, 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 okay. So welcome to Nerdificent. Uh, I am Danny Fernandez, and I'm Iffy Wadiway. Sitting across from Danny. I know you're like, man, last week's intro was way spookier. Like, it had the production value off the charts, uh, the music, the bars. This one still has the howl. I've been enjoying the howl a lot. Okay, but we wanted a Danny rap. So. No. Oh, my gosh. A spook. I'm not going to do that to myself. Someone's going to, I'm going to get famous. Someone's going to pull it up later. And, and you might have be the next Cardi B. They're mm. like, oh, she had bars, actually. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Get a drink in me. I definitely have yeah, bars. Yeah, yeah. You'll, uh, you'll date I'll go one to the of bars the other, and have some bars. <laughs> one of the other two Migos. Mm-hmm. You see, you have I mean, tri- I'm single, so. Yeah, yeah. You have Takeoff and Quavo now. I know. I kind of, I, I do like Quavo. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. You like mouse-like men. If you do know me, though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I love you, Quavo, but you also, you know, you have like mouse-like features. Okay, so yes, welcome to the fourth week of Spooktober. Yes, and today we're getting we're, we're talking about a pretty spooky creator, which is great because we have a spooky creator as a guest. <laughs> you know, you may know him as a co-creator of thrilling adventure hour and soon. You will know him as the writer of the smash hit, the future Eisner Award winning comic book, Hexwives, coming to the stage. I mean, coming to the stands. Sorry, it's I'm in It's been a long day. Mode. It's always coming, a long day when we come in. It's always like eight or nine at night. <laughs> coming to the stands from DC and Vertical Comics. This cover is looking real nice. Got some real spooky vibes, you know. 
I'm gonna let you go see it because I I can like describe it to you, but then you we'll might be it. like, yeah. Well, well also it. I don't want we'll people to be like, it. if you described it, I'm not gonna get it. Go get the comic book. Ooh, it My... has some spices. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So now people are rushing to the stands. Ooh, They're like, Damn. and this girl looks like me. If you ever want to see me in some spicy situations, well, there well you, you go. just sold the, the I know, comic look, out. This is you my sold deviant it all. art right here. This is like being on <laughs> Tumblr scenes. You know, some people have done art of me. I send it to you. Sometimes yeah, yeah. it's a little offensive. Well, you but know, my nose doesn't look like they, that. They all can't be uh, Monets. I'm gonna have to get some Picassos in the mix too. I'm sorry, can you please introduce our guest? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd never said his name because, of course, I didn't. Ben Blacker, everyone. Hey, how's hey, it going? Hi. <laughs> so you, How so you are did, you? How was it just seeing us just go into a tangent and completely ignore you? I, want, after... I wanted to hear it. <laughs> I Listen, several items. First of all, I would love if before this comic hits the stands, it hits the stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we I'll put it up on the show. I don't know actually how much of this we can reenact. But... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do a live reading of this at the Improv in yeah. Hollywood. Come down to totally. Melrose, doing a live reading of Hex Wives, uh, and uh, soon to be bumped by Chris D'Elia doing 60 minutes of shouting into a mic. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Secondly, I loved that Danny was leafing through it as you were talking and seeing her reaction was so satisfying. And I would kind of love if you just read the comic while we sat I here will, oh. for like 15 minutes. <laughs> just silently. No, yeah. I feel like our one, I mean, it's the artwork in it is really cool. But yes. two, like our, we're doing Spooktober. Our, our fans are really into spooky stuff. And three, they're also into the spices. We know that they are. Oh, uh, yeah. They follow Iffy and I, they definitely are. So, yeah. And that's cool. Have you been over at the DC offices? I sure have. Yeah, I was I, over there recently for yeah. with MAD. Oh, um, nice. Because they're there too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you doing stuff for MAD? Are you I allowed to say it? Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm p- like pitching them stuff, but I okay. was over there for a Twitch stream that they did. Uh, uh, so I was a, mm. ho- a guest or whatever nice. on there. But my friend um, Allie Gertz is yeah. one of the editors the over there. Yeah, yeah. She's awful. Can't She's a bad her. person. <laughs> yeah. And then our friend, our friend Hector Navarro is a host of yeah. uh, DC uh, Daily. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I think I'm doing. I just heard I'm supposed to do yeah. DC Daily like next week or yeah. something yeah. to talk about Dope. this book. Hector well, has it'd be an great ins- if it were with, with him. N- yeah. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of comics. Good. He's yeah. amazing. And like a true appreciation and love of all things. Like I it's very hard for him to dislike anything. Mm-hmm. Uh which is good. I feel like in the nerd space you need more of that. Like there's so much energy towards hate because hate, good good rants get clicks, you know. Yeah. No, good praises get skipped. You know, it's not what I really love about the show, if you'll allow. Oh, yeah, of course. Is that you two celebrate the things you love rather than taking to task the things you don't care for. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Danielle dropped like five F bombs last time (laughs) and I caught them and I was like, oh, here, this, here, we need a bleep here. Yeah. Yeah, She was, she was, she was going hammer, but Uh I was all about it. For Buffy. Buffy. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, so before we even jump into uh, Alfred Hitchcock, I want to give you a chance to kind of tell us about Hex Wife, sure. let the listeners know what it's about, what they're in store for. Yeah, I think I feel like if people listen to this podcast, then they are into the stuff that I am into, <laughs> which means they will like this book because it's like made of all the stuff I'm into. Um, the Hex Wives is basically Bewitched plus the Stepford Wives. Uh, it's about a powerful coven of witches who is being held uh, against their knowledge by a cabal of men who fear them and therefore try to control them. 
<laughs> so the first six issues finds them all as these suburban housewives, and they don't know that's that they are actually these powerful witches. Um, so it's a literal empowerment story. It's also kind of a documentary about America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I was going to try and make that joke, and then you beat me to the punchline. Oh, I will not shut up. This is <laughs> your show. Feel free to shut me well, down. Well, no, this is great because uh, one one of these because everyone didn't get to hear you before. You are so excited to talk Alfred Hitchcock, and I will say, as much of a fan I am of him, I am not versed in his catalog. Like I think the ones I've seen is Rear Window, some of Birds, uh, some, and, some of, what? Yeah, mo- <laughs> mostly by some of Birds. I mean that scene where she's in the phone booth and she's like, Ah, sure. these birds. <laughs> <laughs> Actual quote from the movie. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah. You know, I skipped Psycho and saw the sequel, American Psycho. Boo. Uh, <laughs> I know. I definitely want... Like, I've, Have you never seen Psycho? I've always been afraid to because... I grew up out here, so we would go to Universal mm-hmm. Studios, and we'd go by the Psycho House and the music, and it oh, scared yeah. me so much, I was always afraid to see the movie. Oh, my gosh. And then there was a point where I was like, I definitely need to see this movie. Yeah. But then it was just, it was before Netflix, and then, you know, then you, you get <laughs> backlogged, and there's been so many nights I've been like, I need to see all the movies I haven't seen. Uh, buckle up. Before we get into this, I'm about to make a few nerds fall out their seats and sit down. Here's a list of like need to see movies I have not seen yet. I haven't seen Princess Bride. I haven't seen uh, Monty Python Holy Grail. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) To see someone go "Eh," to Monty Python is hilarious because someone just like at first wasn't going to fall out and then they're like, (laughs) This guy, I'm turning this off. How dare. Listen, if you, listener, if you disagree with me about Monty Python, buy two of my books. (laughs) That'll show me. Yeah, yeah, do 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 give give uh give Ben the Nike treatment. Buy them all up and burn, burn them. them. Burn this is me burning bins. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, listen, before this is going to be a ten minute thing about Hitchcock, and, yeah. but every we'll talk about everything else for fifty minutes. Um, my favorite Monty Python, and I am I, you know I came to it as a, a young person. Uh, my favorite Monty Python show or film is the documentary about the making of Monty Python <laughs> uh, because I love behind-the-scenes stuff, but oh, I yeah. only like Monty Python okay. Like, I yeah. like all those guys. I think they're funny. Yeah. I want to watch them talk about their process, but none of the movies or the show really yeah. grab me. Or the hits. I've cool. never seen Citizen Kane. Okay. It's um, a little boring. Yeah. There's a couple like that in that wheelhouse that I think are all the same movie. <laughs> I've never, I've missed it, and I never cared to see it until like it became such a point of contention because of a certain host I used to work for who married into the family, and uh, oh, wow. and it was, you know, it was like ever, it just was so oh, I know who taboo. You're about. Yeah, there's only one person in this town yeah, married to a Hearst. Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Which that's when you do your Citizen Kane episode, you will explain that. Citizen is based on the Hearst family. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. So Schindler's it, List. I was gonna say too, and I get oh, really? confused. Oh, it's hilarious. It, <laughs> you should see it. I, I I know what it's about, but I kind of get Citizen. Are they both like dealing black with, and white? Yeah, that. Yeah. But are that, they both dealing a, with judicial prison issues? No. One is a Holocaust movie, and the other one is a bad rich man. <laughs> okay. So the other is a good, good rich, rich man. man. Yeah, I guess. I, this, yeah. That's what I got confused. Yeah. The, They're the, both great movies. Yeah. Great, Make great, no great. mistake. 
But um, on the other hand, I've seen It's a Wonderful Life like 15 times, which so. is a better movie than both of yeah, those. Yeah, I've seen them like uh, yeah, multiple Christmases. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is you'd be surprised. Like, it was funny because like it was not like we were in the writers' room just like cranking out Citizen Kane jokes, <laughs> but it felt like it felt like as soon as they got married. For some reason, there was a lot of Citizen Kane jokes, so so it was all, it was what? very weird. Um, I would but a good love, times all around. I would love if you two did an episode about people's like gaps in nerd knowledge. Oh, yeah. for sure, like, everybody that would be has really them. fun. Oh man, I, that that would be a good like runner to do, where it yeah. is like a flip where we find something we like. I do bring in someone who's like a huge Princess Bride or Monty Python yeah. head, and they just. Just dumb. I mean, this is kind of what this is going to be, full disclosure, with <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock, which is why I'm so excited that you're jazzed on it. Because if we aren't the source of like excitement mm-hmm. and knowledge, we like to have a guess <laughs> on who is that source. Because that's what this is about, is really just... This show is the equivalent of when you're getting your friend into something mm-hmm. that you're into, and you're just like, this, then this. And uh, so uh, let's jump right into it and start off with Alfred Hitchcock's youth. Instead of that, can I make a suggestion? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that thing that you're both looking at in front of me. Okay. But I think, and Ooh. I'm not so interested in biography of people because mm-hmm. uh, I don't care about people. Yeah. Um, I think the best way or a, be- a good way to talk about Hitchcock is to look at his three best movies because he made three masterpieces, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Psycho, Vertigo, and Rear Window. And wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said it. No, <laughs> and that I, was hilarious a... <laughs> because Here I'm sorry. I'm gonna just. I gotta <laughs> let the listeners know what just happened. <laughs> Danny was in full agreement for for a time, and was they were they were bonding and connecting on such a level. And then by the time the end of that list hit, it was like someone took a knife and cut that bond in half and they both shot away from each other. And I was like, whoa, I only know one of those movies. Um, 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 well, no, I totally agree. We normally like to give like a tiny bit of the backstory for the person. And also we're clearly going to talk about the birds. Oh no, no. I'm not saying solely about Uh this. Cause then there's like the second tier of no, like but I agree. great movies. Like North by Northwest is a great movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's not a masterpiece. Yeah, and I can you never know, get into that festival. And, and to be honest, this Boom. is what we <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, on our show, uh, we do get kind of, you know, ding from people that are like, Well, you didn't talk about this and you didn't talk mm-hmm. about this episode. I'm like, we literally can't. You know, and uh, and uh, it sounds a uh, person like you already know that episode really well, so I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, but like, I like to hear y'all. I say know. It. I won't lie. That is true. like I do tend it, to go <laughs> first to the episodes where I'm like, when that Buffy episode came out, I'm like, <laughs> yes, I want to hear all. Did about you enjoy it? it? Of we I did. we picked like the what, and we let Danielle pick them, but it was also ones that had been yeah. ranked, and also by Joss as like his favorite ones, and so, uh, but her, you know, kind of also agreeing with that, but yeah. even which is where I sort of got the idea to like look at the oh, for great sure. ones. Yeah, that's what I think we Rather should do. Rather than getting bogged down okay. in 24 British movies yeah, yeah, that no yeah. one's seen. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, so let's just let's just give some background <laughs> yeah, on our dude. Yeah, and then we'll jump into these three greats. But it. I'm already through British movies. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. And he would start it over there, which we'll learn. Look, something I learned. Another Brit fact. Ooh, I hope you're ready for tangents. Slick Rick, born in. Uh, he's British. He was born in uh, the United Kingdom, but moved to New York like when he was like 10. 
So he barely was American. <laughs> Save it but, for your Rick cast. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, what happened? How did we get Grimes if Slick Rick is like... From, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. Same thing with MF Doom. Born in the UK, came to LA. I mean, came to USA. It sounds better And that, that still way. rhymes. It still rhymes. I don't yeah. know why I said LA. Anyway, sir... Al- oh, yep. I see the English yep, now. Yep, yep, sir yep, Alfred nice. Hitchcock. Uh-huh. Uh, sir Alfred Joseph Hitchcock was an English film director and producer, widely regarded as one of the most influential filmmakers in the history of cinema. Uh, and he was known as the Master of Suspense, which actually I'd like to give that title to my mama, uh, who really, you know, really kept what me is, going. What is M. Night known as then? Mm, the Master, Master of, of Twists. Twist? Yeah. Oh, look at I, us. And I will give him that title. Wait, like, then what's Chubby Checker known as? <laughs> <laughs> Are we just going to go down this line? <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a goofy one. Uh, He directed over 50 feature films in Mm -hmm. a career spanning six decades. That's really long. Yeah, that's like Ron Howard in it. Yeah. (laughs) Is that what it's called? (laughs) No. Ron Howard. How old is Ron Howard? He's still doing it. Yeah, he's still doing it. All of it. He's been around. I mean, maybe not his directing, but he's definitely been in Hollywood his entire life. He became known as having a cameo in his films. He was the first Stan Lee. There we go. He did. I mean, he did. He yeah. he did. And uh, so as a teen, this is how he got into mo- into film. As a teen, he lived with his widowed mother. He didn't have a girlfriend or much of a social life. This is something that he's talked about. And he would take solo trips to the theater. So at 16, he was reading trade magazines and visiting London's movie palaces. Three years later, he wrote a short story called Gas. And that was about a, a moral woman's descent into the decadence of Paris. And that's kind of going to be a theme with him, especially in his earlier films, but in his continued film, kind of this like pristine woman, the, the you know, beautiful blonde that kind of delves into horror or sin. Mm-hmm. It's interesting yeah. too, I mean, to say that like, that's going to be one of the themes we talk about that, and that is the major theme, but like when you talk about Hitchcock, you talk about, themes because mm-hmm. there are these sort of running he's the most consistent filmmaker mm-hmm. that there are these running ideas and also running technical things that go that you can trace through his whole career so i think it's interesting to bring up that like he started going to movies when he was a teenager which was really at the time of the birth of movies yeah, yeah. like he grew up in movies the same time movies grew up right and so when he sort of made he started making movies as a young man and he made like 24 British films mm-hmm. in like yeah. t- 12 years or something like that. And it was in that time that he sort of synthesized all the things that movies could and would be when it came to both performance and story, but also the technical aspects like moving the camera yeah. and sound appear. <laughs> like he made a bunch of silent films. That yeah. was actually his start. He got in, in uh, 1920, he... Uh, got to start at, at an American movie company called Famous Players Lasky that had moved to London. And so what he did was he made sample title cards. Like, so the way that, like, um, that they would actually draw, like he was a title card illustrator back for the black and white silent films. And so he made a bunch of those and they gave him the job. And then he started working in props and sets as you do when you're when you're working for a movie company. And someone gave him like a slip, like, hey, there's this company company adobe out here and they're trying to 
They're trying to encroach upon our photoshops. So, okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to cut the jokes. Uh, this, <laughs> no, I'm gonna, please This is the end joke. of the jokes of the episode. No. I promise I won't say another joke. If he, I like to remind people we are How Stuff Works comedy, and, you know, it's kind of boring when you're just reciting someone, someone is, someone. Someone's like, yeah, exactly. This ain't been comedy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll step it up. We'll step it up. But then Paramount pulled out of London in 1922, but Hitchcock, he didn't stop there. He was hired as an assistant director by a firm that would be later known as Gainsborough Picture. And then he worked his way up and had his first thriller, The Lodge, a story of the London fog that dropped in 1927. Man, that is exactly... Nine. No, shut up. Are you trying to do the math before we yeah, were yeah, born? No. Uh, it's reverse math, no, so it's no, hard. No, no, no. Okay, so The Lodger, uh, which was about the hunt for a serial killer who, wearing a black cloak and, and carrying a black bag, is murdering young women in London. So again, um, this was largely based off of his fascination with Jack the Ripper. Uh, again, we have this this blonde woman that uh, appears and that will continue to be a trope. For him, do you feel at all, like, I know he's such a respected director, but, I mean, this has to be problematic. You're yeah. smiling. Has to be seen. I mean, it's not that I want to go back and look at, because we get kind of, people get upset when you look back at art as, like, I know, especially when it happens 61 years before we, I, we were born. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it doesn't matter. Some people, like Rod Serling, we learned we're, we're able to be progressive even in a time where true. it's not accepted. That's true. I think, you know, and th- and that's why I mentioned, like, we talk about his masterpieces, which sort of point to you. his obsessions yeah. also. Yeah. And his obsessions are what makes him problematic. Okay. In part. Yeah. Uh, the other part of what makes him problematic is he was not a nice person. No, and he was, re- I watched, you can watch YouTube videos, like, because there's footage of him and he was super inappropriate with his actresses. Yeah. There's one of him, like, lifting up her dress and, like, while she's speaking and, like, the way he would flirt and I so, also- it, yeah, it's yeah. really interesting, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I there's, I always read about that stuff, and I saw those videos too, and I thought like this guy's a monster. Yeah. Um, and then I was reading this great biography by Peter Ackroyd of Hitchcock, and it's sort of a great casual biography. It's not super in depth because, as I said, I don't like to get into biography. And the portrait he paints of Hitchcock is basically as a control freak who was afraid of everything. So as a way of quelling his own anxiety and his own fear of the world, like he was afraid to walk from one end of a set to another because he was afraid someone would come talk to him and he wouldn't know how to have that interaction. So he was this neurotic, anxious guy. um, And so the way he treated other people was to utterly control them. Um, And he did, like he was particularly hard on women Mm -hmm. because – he was so afraid of them, yeah. which doesn't excuse it by any means, right. but it's his way of dealing with the world, which is fascinating in terms of his movies, mm-hmm. because all of that is in there. Like, his movies yeah. are okay. so loaded mm-hmm. with his personality. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that I, I learned as we were researching this is that another uh, another element of that was that he was very uncomfortable with his body. Mm-hmm. And he was uncomfortable with his sexuality. In fact, yes. he actually said that he was celibate at 30, even though he was married. He was yeah. married with a child and said that he was no longer having sex anymore. And so the... But he also, and I read that too, but he also <laughs> loved his wife so much. Oh, yeah. Which I mean, you crazy. can do both. Absolutely. You can have both. Yeah. But he was so, so like buttoned up mm-hmm. and so standoffish. And that you would think that he would never display any emotion. But later in their lives, when Alma got sick, like he was on the floor, literally on the floor 
of whatever film he was directing at the time because he couldn't deal with it. Yeah. Okay, well, it's so interesting because uh, just to once again touch back on the whole Rod Serling thing. We When we had Twilight Zone, we were talking about Rod Serling using his mm-hmm. fears in his shows and everything was so obviously kind mm-hmm. of touching on his experiences with the war. And I feel like even what I know about all the Hitchcock films, it seems very the same situation. If you look at something like Rear Window, the one that I've actually seen, someone who is witnessing something and it can do nothing about it, yeah. mm-hmm. of course that would make a control freak Gosh, freak you're out. So right. you, you're yeah. in a situation that that you want to do something and you can't do it. You're stuck. Yeah. That is, and you know, it's it, it's kind of crazy, but. The, I think one thing I want to hit on uh, for all my future writers listening to uh, not my future all my writers out there there you go listening uh, yep. listening to the cast and you're like hankering for ideas for something scary think about what scares you absolutely uh, it I, seems time and time again yeah. that seems to be what because I also one of the best piece of writing advice I've gotten was when someone was like write what you know don't be afraid to make your characters you mm-hmm. you know just reskin yourself and make it and it's true when you put an element of yourself into your character because you know yourself so well it's so easy to write that so of course writing something scary that focuses on something you're actually afraid of is going to be good and also can show some glaring issues <laughs> that you also have <laughs> that's the other fascinating thing though with hitchcock is I don't know how self-aware he was about this stuff. Oh, is wow. He would conceive of films, and North by Northwest is a great example for, for if you who hasn't seen it. It's basically a series of set pieces. Like you've seen the famous parts of it where uh, Cary Grant is being chased by a crop duster in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Or he's hanging off of Mount Rushmore uh, and at the end of the movie. And so the way that Hitchcock conceived of movies was to say – here are the things I want to do. And logic doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, what he wasn't realizing was how much everything he was putting together was saying about him. Like Rear Window is another great example. I don't think he understood, or at least he never talked about, the way that not having control of the situation would be so terrifying of him to, for him, right? Mm-hmm. To him, the movie was an opportunity to, one, work with Grace Kelly, uh, who was his absolute favorite in an almost creepy way. Yeah. Um, but but also, like, she's a person and <laughs> was kind of pals with him. So there, there's a – it sort of strips away the creepiness that was built up over the years. But to him, it was about working with Grace Kelly and uh, being able to build an entire apartment. Like, to him, that was the fun of that movie, was I get to build this apartment set – which is both the interior and then the window looking out to something like a dozen different apartments. And you had to be able to see into every single one and orchestrating the movements of the actors in all of those apartments. Like that was the fun of directing to him. He didn't care about story. He didn't care about character. Um, You both can tell me as an actor if this is terrible, Uh, but (laughs) the way he would direct actors is to tell them to do nothing is he would just say, like, and, and Cary Grant actually responded very well to this. Yeah. He liked this kind of directing where the entire direction was, all right, then just turn your head to the left slightly and look down and we're done. <laughs> like, that was it. Yeah. And someone like Paul Newman, who did one of the later mm-hmm. films, who was a very method sort of actor, was like, but what am I feeling? What is my motivation? He was like, 
His, he always said, your motivation is your paycheck. <laughs> I mean, that I don't know if that's always the correct part, but I do know that there are a lot of actors and famous actors that are just like, just let me do my thing. Yeah. Um, and I do know that Meryl Streep, who's an amazing actress, obviously, has said whatever she is feeling is truthful for her character. So it can never be wrong. So if she's feeling angry in that moment, well, then that means that that is true for her character. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a really interesting way. And I feel like my teachers uh, have approached acting with us that way as well, where it's like, no, I'm going to cry, and this isn't right for the scene. This is like something emotionally I'm dealing with personally. But they're like, but it might actually, because uh, there are actors, myself included, in class that have cried during comedy scenes. And it's like, this is not right. But it makes it funnier that you're crying yeah. over this dumb thing that happened. Totally. Yeah. You know, like you got rear-ended or something. It's like a tiny little thing and you're just having a complete breakdown. But like that is kind of funny is it's an unexpected mm-hmm. thing. But Hitchcock wouldn't have any of that. Yeah. He would tell you to show absolutely nothing. Oh, show no emotion, show you mean? Show nothing. Oh. Because he he subscribed to that uh, montage theory, which which is true, but nobody really applies it to actors where, like, you can show a completely blank face and then you can show, like, a wild barking dog. Mm-hmm. And it makes you think that this is an angry person. And then you can show a clown and you make it think it's a happy person, even though the face hasn't changed at all. So he was juxtaposing... What the actor was doing, yeah. which was nothing, right. with the the next image on the screen. Also, the audience is going to put themselves yes, on it. Then absolutely. they're going to put whatever they're feeling on it. It's all projection, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, that's great. Do we need to take a break? We do. Yeah, we're actually going to take a break, and uh, when we get back, we're going to get into some of our favorite Hitchcock films. Right after this. Right after this. <laughs> Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Come. 
And welcome back to another spooky episode of Neurodificent. Across from me is Danny Fernandez and Ben Blacker in the Kenny Corner. What if we made his chair smaller than ours? I actually had my first ever commercial agent uh, in his office. Art like if you sat across from him, the chair was lower than his. I gross. thought it was. Isn't it gross? So He's gross. a gross person. <laughs> uh, I'm not with him anymore, and I'm doing great. Um, I, I didn't mean that sarcastically. I'm doing good. <laughs> um, so Ben, you were during the break talking about that you actually like rope a lot. I like rope. I like mm-hmm. a lot of the. So Hitchcock came to Hollywood. Um, he was lured here uh, by the promise of money yeah. and control. And when he got here, he found he didn't have any control, but he did have money. That makes sense. Right. Uh, so he was working with under David Selznick, who was mm-hmm. running the studio. Yeah. And he made a bunch of really interesting movies that are on the verge of being great movies. And Rope is one of them. Uh, and Rope is sort of a um, technical puzzle. It's based on a stage play about these two guys who, for for philosophical reasons, to prove that they can get away with murder, murder a friend of theirs. <laughs> <laughs> and they hide him. Just to show that they can do it. It really oh, is. Oh, man. Uh, and, and they hide him in uh, this chest. Is the friend along with it? <laughs> is the yeah, friend he's like, like, yeah, go ahead. I bet you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know. It reminds me of like a, a magic trick or something. You can't cut me in half. <laughs> Do you think that's how that magic trick started? <laughs> Probably. Like, I can. Just give me a few hours to right. find some mirrors. <laughs> Wait, is that how that worked? Uh, yeah, so, so Ro- yeah, it truly is. So Rope came out in 1948. Yeah, and so it was these two friends. So it's the two friends. They murder their, their other friend. They put him in a box, and they throw a dinner party, and they have dinner on the chest that he's in, and they invite their professor who taught them about this stuff, who was played by Jimmy Stewart. And this was the first Jimmy Stewart. Uh-huh. I think it was the first Their Jimmy Stewart. Their love affair. Yeah. Um, oh, you mean the first Jimmy Stewart, like his main film? No, I think it was the first, first Jimmy Stewart in with Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Stewart was a really, I think is probably the best Hitchcock actor because he brings so much heart to everything he, he does. does. Yeah. And where, like I said, like Hitchcock doesn't direct people and he has no heart. Yeah. You need someone like Stewart or someone like Cary Grant, who's so charming, to bring so much, bring humanity to the parts. Mm-hmm. But the technical puzzle of Rope was that it was meant to look like it's all done in one shot. So as the story goes along, the camera moves and it'll like oh. move behind something when it's time to cut the film. So it's basically done in these 10-minute so the segments. the uh, first instance of Birdmanning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it's Since... totally that. Um, except I mean, without it's... using a computer to go over, like to fix it, right? Yeah. Which was really neat. Um, so it's a fun, such hands-on. Yeah, yeah. Back when filmmaking was, it was, was a like, neat experiment, yeah. and he Hitchcock didn't love it, and uh, Jimmy Stewart hated it because they would do these eleven-minute takes, yeah, where they had to hit their marks and they had to get oh, every right. line exactly mm-hmm. right, and Hitchcock was so precise that it was grueling to work on, and he said he would never work with him again, uh, but then of course he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he did in uh, in Rear Window. Yeah. Is that our next? Yeah, he did and next. The man, the man who knew too much might have been in there too, which is also oh, for a great sure, movie. yeah. And so I don't there's know what so that was. there's so many to talk about on here. We're gonna yeah, we'll just, just hit we'll like his that. main quick few sentence synopsis of Man Who Knew Too Much, so I know which ones to rent. This is a good one. Uh, it's a remake of a movie he made in 1932. Well, that okay. one was actually oh yeah 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 yeah. Right? Am I right about that? 
1934, right? 1934. Yeah. So he remade the film that he had already made yeah. in London. Right. Mm-hmm. So he did this American version with uh, Jimmy Stewart and Doris Day, who are a great American couple. Like oh, wow. the most American yeah. couple. Does it still stay pretty much the same? So it was about a man and a wife who receive a clue to an imminent assassination attempt mm-hmm. only to learn that their daughter has been kidnapped to keep them quiet. That's exactly Look at, yeah. look at who our man's took this. Yeah. Iffy. Um, freaking, what's his name that does all these films, the Taken films? Oh, uh, <laughs> Liam Neeson's? Liam Neeson, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Also, this is the first instance this of This is literally officing. Taken. I think that's what we'll do. We'll just find something <laughs> that uses an element of a Hitchcock film <laughs> and say that it was a blanking. Yeah. And this was officing. We're which using is... a Buffy speak. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is every movie used an aspect of a Hitchcock yeah. film that came, every movie that came after it. Um, but but I do recommend it's a sort of a lighter Hitchcock, which like as much as Hitchcock was obsessed with uh, voyeurism and violence towards women, he also had a lot of comedy. He in did his have movies, a lot of comedy, yeah, which, which I think is what makes them watchable. He was a comedic person if you look at interviews with yeah. him. And uh, his Alfred Hitchcock Presents was also comedic. Yes. I was watching one where he was like going to the at- he was like, we have to take a break now. Uh, by no means buy this product from these people. <laughs> Yeah, he's so you know, dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, until, be, like, you have to come back here and, well, yeah, he's very dry. And it works. Yeah. It works. Uh, so moving on to Rear yes. Window, which was 1954. Um, again, so this would be his third time working with Jimmy Stewart. You guys missed my Jimmy Stewart impression during the break. Why don't you give it to him one um, more time? Uh, Clarence. Clarence. I want to live. Zuzu's pedals. <laughs> Clarence. <laughs> You guys, I've seen, I've seen, my mom makes me watch that every Christmas and she Listen, cries. We thought that was great. We loved you. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to go a different way. Yeah, you know, you, you know, just you know, diversity is making right. us, that, you know. But your, your mom is in your house. That's right. That's right. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> My, my spot on Jimmy Stewart impression. I, I think Jimmy at some Stewart point, I think at some point, I sounded like Reba McIntyre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you, you hit some Reba notes. <laughs> rear window, rear window. Which again, like you said, it uh, so it's starring Jimmy Stewart and um, and Grace Kelly again. I, I'm just gonna let you explain it because you're our guest. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, just, I can do it. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart is a photographer who has broken his leg, and so he's laid up in his room, and he starts looking out the window and watching his neighbors. Uh, Again, we're hitting the theme of voyeurism, Mm -hmm. and what he believes he sees is a neighbor having murdered his wife, the neighbor's wife. Uh, So again, violence against women, Yeah. Uh, his twin themes. Um, Meanwhile, Jimmy's girlfriend, Grace Kelly, is trying to get him to settle down. There's a great like ro- romantic relationship plot going on. Uh, there's that comic relief character oh. who is his mm-hmm. nurse, who is a friend of theirs. I can't remember the actor's name. She's so funny in it. Was it Thelma Ritter? Yes. Okay. She's so great in that movie. So basically it unfolds that like Stuart can't leave his room, but he wants he's to. He's like kind of growing crazy. Yeah. yeah. He's becoming obsessed with right, this right, right. neighbor. And so he sends Grace Kelly over to go to break into the house and you get these great scenes of tension um, until the climax when it is revealed what's happening. I won't spoil this This 90-year-old movie. (laughs) You know what else does this? Disturbia. Uh, I'm just going to name every movie that does this. How I was like, they did all that in the Rihanna video? Uh, 
But um, of course not. I am disturbing because Shia LaBeouf is is in house arrest. He sees his neighbor. It's yeah, the same. Oh yeah, thing. no, that it, it is a woman. rear rear window. It was remade with Christopher Reeve. Did you know that? Oh no! In the eighties, it was. I think it was a TV movie. I've never seen it with Christopher wow. Reeve uh, in a wheelchair. Oh, so it must have been later. It must have been after his accident. Mm. Um, but I cannot imagine it's any good. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let this... me say this. Okay. Hitchcock described Jimmy Stewart. Okay. By saying he's the perfect Hitchcock hero, because he's the everyman in bizarre situations. And I think that is mm-hmm. what why Stewart is like the best in a Hitchcock yeah. movie. Is oh, yeah. he's so relatable. How would we act if we were put in this yeah. scenario? Yeah. So then, moving on from that, we have. Uh, let's see. We have Vertigo. Yeah, yeah. When was that? About it was thirty 19... years before we were born. Nineteen fifty-eight. Oh Lord. Nineteen fifty-eight uh, again, starring Jimmy Stewart. So I guess this would be like a weird thing. I feel like in Hollywood to have, uh, you know, I mean, I know that um, Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan mm-hmm. have, you know, but like I think if it were this level, where every single no, I don't know, like Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, or Christopher out, Nolan out being and creeps. Christian yeah. Bale. Totally. People love their dudes. Yeah. I need to find me a director you dude. You do. <laughs> you find me a director dude who's going to be putting me in It makes sense, stuff. right? There's a shorthand, and if you oh, work yeah. well with someone, you want to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not I'm thinking, like, if this, I'm not trying to say anything bad oh, yeah, about no, it. I'm just no, thinking, like, if this would have been weird back in that time of, like, having, but maybe oh, it just didn't. Ex- yeah, that's a good question. Like, it was that normal, or was it weird to, like, have the same? Person in eight, yeah, especially if you're like, oh, Hitchcock's coming out. Well, I guess it means Jimmy Stewart's going to be the lead. You know what I mean? Well, the, yeah. through the mid '50s or so, the uh, actors were usually under contract with studios. Oh yes, oh, okay. so you and would see that the directors were under contract with the studios too. So sometimes they would get matched up, sometimes not, and sometimes they would like it was. Mm-hmm. It seems sort of arbitrary. Like yeah, yeah. they would pull actors from other studios too. If this sounds the least bit interesting to you. I suggest checking out the Coen Brothers film, mm-hmm. uh, Hail Caesar. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I love that movie. Like a lot it's of people really fun. did not like it. Yeah. I was so on board for it. Especially if you're like, if you like goofing on old Hollywood yeah. and all like the dumb stuff. What's his face? You know who I'm talking about. Uh, yes. Magic Mike. Um, yes. Channing Tatum? Channing yes. Tatum. He's so, good, so good in it. You just need to He's, say Magic Mike. Well, if I you knew. liked Magic Mike, he does have a few... Uh, Magic Mikey. Oh, he shows this. his magic mic. Uh, not all of it, but he shows the, the magic. That's been never. a thing now, and I'm like, I'm here for it. Like, freaking Chris don't know. Pine, Bradley Cooper, like everyone's showing their dingling. If I'm get, seeing how I'm getting snatched up, I'm praying for another magic mic. I am <laughs> praying for another magic mic. Do you know how quick I will have my manager have me in a room? <laughs> I am burning incense. It's and weird talking to Mami Wata. <laughs> For a magic. Oh, you can come do moon sequel. rituals with me, Iffy. Right, well, can I just send you one of my thirst no, traps I and you'll th- put it in a <laughs> pentagon for me? I guess I could put on my vision board for you. <laughs> but if you get it, you got to bring me in for a cameo or something. Oh, okay. Okay. So, hey, look, my friend, she put me on her vision she's, board. Yeah, and y'all she's the reason up, I'm here. So. And I'll say, you know, none of us have anything to do with the Magic Mike franchise, so you don't have to have your pants off right now. <laughs> but, but, you know, I just feel like just in case, you never know, That's you right. might walk That's into right. a room and so you might Vertigo, have to. So <laughs> Vertigo came out in 1958. Can you break it down for us? I don't know that I can. Oh, it's okay. a complicated movie. Do you have it in Overall. front of you? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, again, we have Jimmy Stewart, uh, this time with Kim Novak and Barbara Belgettis. He wanted, so Hitchcock wanted Vera Miles to play the lead, but she was pregnant. 
Uh, which and is, he was really put off by that. He was like, how dare someone go off and have a life when I have a movie to make? Was he really? Yeah. Oh, damn. I thought you were kidding. No. This is how he was about when he found people he liked. He wanted mm-hmm. to have them, and so he'd become obsessed with these actresses. Okay. Uh, he God. tried to bring uh, Grace Kelly out of retirement after she became a princess. Yeah, and- uh, and She's like, I don't want to deal with that anymore. She almost did, which I thought was really interesting. She was going to come back for, I want to say Psycho, but I may really? be wrong. That's interesting. Um, but she was, she would only have been doing it for the money because Monaco, is that what she was prin- princess yes. of? Yes. Uh, was in debt. And so oh. she was going to do a movie and <laughs> take the money. And then when he found that out, he was so depressed. Yeah. Uh, our producer, anyway. da- no, I was going to say our producer Dan gave us this quote from Hitchcock. I was offering her a big part, the chance to become a beautiful, sophisticated blonde, a real actress. We'd have spent a heap of dollars on it, and she has the bad taste to get pregnant. <laughs> I hate pregnant women because then they have children. Your wife literally was pregnant. Oh yeah. I don't know that he saw her as a woman. <laughs> like it's a weird complicated kind of gross relationship where he respected and loved her and she was a creative partner through their whole mm-hmm. lives like she started editing his films and they would break stories together and she never got any credit for that stuff but he could not do that stuff without her yeah. oh she was bigger than him did yeah. you know that so she actually started so if he, she was at the at the London production company she was bigger than him and he started out as an assistant yeah. and he liked her for 2 years i remember cuz i watched the e true hollywood story on this uh, <laughs> he like and we have it in the footnotes but um he liked her but didn't ask her out until he thought he was equal to her um, uh, and some men still do that to this day but you are so right yeah uh, she was she was a businesswoman and and then you know, that kind of fell or he got most of the credit after that. So so uh, Vertigo, Jimmy Stewart plays Scotty, a former police investigator suffering from acrophobia, which is a fear of heights, who develops an obsession with a woman he has been hired to shadow. God, there is. Yeah, this obsession. OK, uh, Scotty's He's obsessed with, with obsession. Yes. Scotty's obsession leads to tragedy. And this time Hitchcock does not opt for a happy ending. Dun, dun, dun. Um Vertigo contains a camera technique developed by Ehrman Roberts, commonly referred to as a dolly zoom that has been copied many times by filmmakers. Oh, yeah. So this technique was used on me once in my first TV thing I ever filmed in Hollywood called Drugs Made Me Do It on the Bio Channel. Uh, Yeah, I was in a docudrama where I played Big Lurch and to do one of the scenes so I can. So basically the way it works is as you zoom in. Uh, as you physically zoom in the camera, as you push in the camera physically, you also zoom out and it creates an effect where it looks pretty cool. The world's kind of, it looks like the world is bending almost. Uh, And so they did that as an effect of me on PCP before I ate someone's (laughs) lungs. What? Yep. It was- It is uh, generally known as the vertigo shot. And the place where it's most famously used outside of vertigo is in Jaws. Yep. When Chief Brody is on the beach. Oh, yeah. And he's looking out on the water. Yeah, it's a great shot. I mean, and we can talk, if you like, about how Spielberg is the new Hitchcock. Huh. But we'll wait. Yeah. To the um, Hitchcock. I mean. <laughs> Spielberg. Uh, so we'll yeah, like three. It'll well, be a reveal. Well, the, so, Vertigo, so the Vertigo shot was also using Goodfellas, uh, Road What's to Perdition, Body Double, The Island of Dr. Moreau, and uh, the 1996 remake. Uh, the Lord of the Rings and Josie and the Pussycats, but obviously a lot of other That's ones. An too. illustrious list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I'm glad you ended with a bang, like with the, <laughs> with the Oscar front runner that just got snubbed. Um, yeah, so we're actually going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into one of his biggest films of all time, Psycho, right after this. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. So so Psycho, it's kind of cool because we just did the Halloween franchise. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we talked about Jamie Lee Curtis and her mother was in this. I also think it's pretty cool whenever actors don't take on their parents' last name. (laughs) No, I think it's cool. Like they're famous parents because they're like, I'm my own person. Because Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, Lee, Lee. But she spelled it differently. True. But so, you know her. She did take her famous father's last name. Oh, never mind. Tony Curtis. <laughs> um, is he as famous? Yes. Just... He's more famous. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave that in. <laughs> wait, let me. Wait, wait. Look up Tony Curtis. I'm looking him Trust up. Trust me. Okay, Tony Curtis, uh, he was in Houdini, um, <laughs> Never Some Like It Hot. You know, these were all before my time. Yeah, of Did course. Did you ever see the flip? Yeah, some we're, Like It Hot. We're in like the 60s, Danny. These, we're living before our time. Like Did I you ever said, see the 30 Flintstones? years. Was he in the Flintstones No, movie? but they had a character named Stony oh, Curtis. That's how famous he was. Okay. Oh, yeah. Just. But yeah, it's all good because we're, we're living yeah, 30 years BD exactly. before Danny. I know. He kind of looks a little like Jay Leno. Oh, he's done a lot. Um, (laughs) This is why Alicia Malone is on Turner Classic Movies and I'm not. I'm also not a movie reviewer. Oh, my gosh. Nor do I care to be. Nor do I care to be. Once that film gets black and white, I was like, this isn't for me. Literally, I wasn't allowed in the theaters. That's a good joke, Ify. Uh, so let's talk about Psycho. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Let's talk about Psycho with, um, you know, the mom of Jamie Lee Curtis, who Jamie Lee kept her name. Both of them, I guess, technically. Um, So Psycho came out in 1960, arguably one of his most best well-known films. Yeah. Probably Um, 
generally regarded as his masterpiece, right? Yeah. Like, I think Rear Window is really his best movie and it's his most watchable movie. But Psycho has, in the way that Vertigo does, has all of his obsessions in it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's super watchable. So here's the thing I want to ask. So you've seen Psycho. Mm-hmm. If you have not seen Psycho. No. Um, my wife had not seen Psycho until a couple of years ago. And we were watching it. We were at home watching it. Now, you live in the world. Yeah. Do you know the twist in Psycho? Yes. Okay. Because um, <laughs> because it was one of those things. Because I actually... Oh, my gosh. Here we go. I have seen New Hope. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. This is going to come around, right? And I stopped there. I was like, Vader won it all. This is, this is how it ends. Bye. Uh, but, like... I only saw those, I think, maybe four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. And when I was watching it, it was so interesting watching a movie that I know all the references to because it's so in the world. And same thing with Psycho. I think it's one of the – it is the horror movie. So, yeah, I know Norman is his mom. So you would think we as people living in the world know all these references. So I'm watching this movie with my wife, and we're really enjoying it. And towards the end of it, she goes, oh, thank God Norman Bates is here to save him. Oh, oh. no. And I stopped the movie like, what did you just say? She said, Norman Bates is going to save her from this, the murderer who's here. I said, you don't know what happens in this movie, do you? This movie is 50 years old yeah. and you don't know what happens. So it was amazing to watch this pure viewing experience, which still works. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. like, it works if you know the twist, which most yeah. people do. But it really—it's amazing to me that it can be out there and oh, yeah. like people. It doesn't feel dated at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I—I love that you paused the movie to spoil it for your <laughs> wife. Like you didn't see this. I did. Because if, if you stop that, I'm like, oh, I guess he's not. I guess he's not. <laughs> no, she's not movie savvy at all. She was <laughs> like, it. well, he asked me a question. Let's keep watching. Yeah, I know. Why are you asking <laughs> right. me this? Get it going. <laughs> Uh, I did want to say that Psycho was based on Robert Bloch's novel Psycho, which came out in 1959, which was inspired by the case of Ed Gein. Is that how you say it? Ed Gein, I think. Gein, yeah. So the Texas Chainsaw Massacre dude. Yeah. A bunch of things were based on that true story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leatherface or whatever, uh, someone that likes to cut people up and put their skin on. So then eventually would be Silence of the Lambs as well was based on that. Yeah, I guess you could say that. It's a little bit in there. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And I remember Jonathan Demme talking about that. Okay. I mean, Psycho is sort of the beginning of modern horror. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. It's not about monsters. It's a psychological story. Um, it's definitely the beginning of the slasher genre. Right. right? There would be no Halloween without Psycho. Yeah. Um, Which and, is so f- fascinating yeah. because when we're talking about Halloween, it was like, this is the start. A lot of people feel like this is the real mm-hmm. push towards slashers. So it's cool that, you know, um, that Janet Lee and then Jamie Lee yeah. were both kind of seen as the start of their partic- their particular generation yeah. slashers. Yeah, so Halloween right. was definitely like the trope codifier. Yeah. But yeah. Psycho was the sort of primordial ooze that it came out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because it has all the stuff that great slasher movies have. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it that's kind of, I wouldn't say an art film, but there's something elevated about it because – 
the tropes didn't exist yet. So yeah, it it's not just them. gore porn. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah there's, exactly. There's some substance but beneath it. Yeah, we were talking about that on the Halloween episode. Also, I want to add a little bonus treat for all the listeners who might be running to go watch Psycho because tis the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously now we're in the future. You can't really watch it in the film unless you have like an Alamo draft house or something that's doing something cool like that. So to help you out, I want you to mark up this next portion right next to the end of psycho where uh where the big twist happens and i'm gonna give you a movie watching experience uh so just uh just uh on the count of three just do they need to play. turn down their headphones uh no no they they need to they play turn, as, it up. turn it up yeah. so here it is oh norman bates is the psycho that's why it's called psycho damn all right, perfect. So that's, that's great. That, that is an experience. That's would be like if if you were in the movie theater with me watching it, <laughs> which is all anyone yeah. wants. Oh my gosh, I love when you're in the theater with someone who likes to call out like the connection or like if they <laughs> <laughs> or if they say the, the title and someone's like, "That's yes. the title." <laughs> if he and I get uh, we go to screening sometimes together. We haven't as much anymore, but like we used to go a lot. Is together everything okay? Or, uh, well, it's all right. I, I literally pressed Funimation to make sure. I was like, "Yo, <laughs> haven't been any screenings. You got some coming up?" And I was like, "No, we don't have the next one uh, until Dragon Ball Z Broly." I'm like, "Bet." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I was gonna say we went to a bunch of the Marvel ones when they were coming out. We went to um, Infinity oh, you're talking War, about those ones, I'm and it was so it was so funny to sit next to you. Um, cause you were just like when Tony Stark calls that dude Squidward, you're like he called him Squidward. Yeah, oh yeah, great. I am you were the all quintessential in the, you were so... black guy in a movie theater. I'm, I'm gonna be like, damn, it was great. <laughs> Don't open that door. Uh, that that's Tony just Stark. Me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what movie yeah, you're every seeing. Every door, Tony Stark. Don't, don't open go that, that door. Um, <laughs> psycho, Psycho. We started. Oh, to we still see... talking about this. The unprecedented violence of the shower scene. We had the early death of the heroine, which is not normal. Yeah. And innocent lives distinguished by a disturbed murderer became the hallmarks of a new horror film genre. Something that I thought was really interesting in doing my homework for this um, was to read that Hitchcock, like Psycho is his masterpiece. Yeah. This is a brilliant movie. He did not care about it. Okay. Like, he he didn't feel compelled to make it in the way he did some of his other films. He saw that horror films were popular in the 50s, like The Fly and stuff like that, and was like, I could make a horror film. I could make a lot of money. He had had a couple of flops before that and was like, this will make some money. And he put most of his own money into it. So he wound up making a ton of money off of it. Yeah, so it was actually his most profitable of yeah. his career. Man. He earned uh, $15 million. Yeah. On Personally, he earned $15 million. Yeah, and he shot it fast and cheap, too, which oh. was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. so I want to say that's the equivalent of 124, over $124 million, Wow. Uh, in today. Straight busted a that's Mel crazy. Gibson passion of but, the price. <laughs> but he subsequently swapped his rights to Psycho and his TV anthology for 150 mm-hmm. shares of MCA uh, make, uh-huh, making him the third largest shareholder and his own boss at Universal. Look guys, I just got into stocks and I just know <laughs> That's tight. Also, if you want to join me on Robinhood, hit me up on Twitter so I can send you my invite link. We both get a free stock. Um, ain't been tight Good time to buy in right now. Is this uh, the time for plugs? Uh, we, yeah, yeah. We yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you have a Robin Check, Hood too? Oh, oops. Check out Hexwives. It's out on Halloween. <laughs> 
sorry, I just need to add something. I meant 150,000 shares of MCA. That's a lot of shares. I only um, got two shares of Nike. And uh, I was going to say, yeah, so Psycho was made on a very constrained budget of 800,000. Yeah, wow. Which yep. even for the time was nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a different kind of filmmaking for him. And I think that's part of why it became something greater than the stuff he had done leading up to it. Yeah. And it was shot uh, in black and white on a spare set using crew members from Alfred mm-hmm. Hitchcock Presents. I didn't realize that he was doing that at that time. That he yeah. was doing Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Which also, which, which I was interested to read, and I'm not very familiar with Alfred Hitchcock Presents because they were hard to find for a while. Um, but that was just a cash grab for him also. That he was sort of a name brand director and they said, do you want to do TV? And he was like, what do I have to do? Do I have to write or direct anything? They said, no, just just come in and introduce these things and put your name on. And he was like, done. (laughs) I mean, why not? Yeah, I'm game. Uh, So then we have my favorite, The Birds, that came out. I sound like I'm saying The Birds, The Birds, uh, 1963. And... This is, uh, I don't know, this is to me like peak horror, like peak mm-hmm. scary movie. Yeah. This, I don't want to say, it's not like gore porn necessarily, but it kind of is to have your eyeballs like, pe- you know, pecked out by birds. When was the last time you saw it? Mm. You were a youth, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was like, a, maybe I was in my 20s. Yeah. It's not as gory as you remember it. Okay. You know what? We were talking about that with Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. That Which John is not Carpenter very gory. Yeah. Actually didn't have like any blood really. Yeah. But you imagined it. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Which, the birds has the same, a similar thing. Well, look at that. Yeah. He's, they are walking in each other. Well, he's walking in his footsteps. Yeah. As a psycho for that, that matter. That, I mean, like there's the shower scene and you see blood going down the drain. But somebody but in birds, they, like their eyes are pecked out. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> look it up. Ah, oh, damn. I'm going to watch Your it. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I really think it is. Because you couldn't get away with that in 1960. No, I mean, like, not necessarily show, but I feel like they show them going at their face. They, yeah. There were, uh, uh, Tippi Hedren was pretty much abused on the set of this movie. Ugh. She was a commercial actress that he saw and was like, okay, that's my next blonde that I'll be obsessed with. That's It's so crazy because, you know, I it, it really, speaking of, like, influences in Hollywood and the idea of, like, the perfect leading lady is this blonde, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. We have this director who's like, that's all I want. It's blondes, yeah. blondes, blondes, blondes. And he happens to be this influential. It's like, oh, you did that. <laughs> Would it surprise you to learn that his mother was an icy blonde? Ah, you know what they say about moms, or at least Freud. <laughs> yeah, I did Freud's mom was we super didn't even, hot. We didn't even have, <laughs> that we, is Ben Acker's <laughs> joke. I want people to know he has it pinned on Twitter. <laughs> that is my writing partner's joke. I but it was it. so appropriate. <laughs> Uh, I did want to say, because we didn't even say what the birds was, it focuses on a series of sudden, unexplained, violent bird attacks on the people of Bodega Bay in California over the course of a few days. Um, I loved it. My parents used to show it to us when I was little. Um, Mine too. <laughs> and I just thought it was so terrifying. Yeah. It's a great, scary movie, but it's a scary movie that young people, can, like kids, can watch because it's not terribly gory. What I love, one of the things I love about it is that the bird attacks are never explained. Like, he was not interested in that. And I they sort love of, that. Yeah, they yeah. Th- sort of throw out, like, well, it could be this or it could yeah. be this at various points and you never in the really movie, know. But you don't know. It just happens. If you, if I am to put on my 
kaiju hat for a second. I wish that's I what makes the perfect monster movie. And I and it was funny because a lot of people was real mad about that in the one good American Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. which was the Brian Cranston one. Fight me. Uh, is is people were like you don't find out where he comes from? It's like you never knew where he comes from. We assume it's like I think one says it is like atomic, uh, like lizard, but it isn't like explored and like there isn't like a backstory behind the mm-hmm. people who did it. it because there's a giant lizard attacking your city who cares you know and i yeah. think that's what's beautiful about monster movies if birds started attacking or giant lizard the news might be trying to find out but you as a person won't give right. a damn yeah. about where it came from your only concern is i need to be alive yeah i totally agree and i think like the most boring part of any horror movie is when yeah. the thing is explained oh yeah right True. you want answers but you don't ne- necessarily want an explanation yeah and I think as horror fans, we are attracted to ambiguity. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. tell me, maybe you'll cut this out, but tell me <laughs> how you feel about this. I was in a meeting uh, pitching a horror movie, mm-hmm. and it's it's basically like these monsters attack. That's yeah. the gist of the movie. Um, and the person I was talking to wanted to know the whole backstory <laughs> of the monsters. And that I was like, well, they're so from much. hell, and there's a devil deal, and there's stuff, but that's not in the movie. And the the person I was pitching to was adamant about like these you have to have these answers we have to see it in the movie because people are going to have these questions and I don't know that that's true it's not I would yeah. I would even go as far to say no no <laughs> I'd just say no I agree no M Night Shyamalan signs which again I'm going to rep for because I really enjoyed it but you fun. don't really know anything no. about the aliens yeah. other than in the end when you realize they're allergic to water you don't know why they came yeah. Hmm. I think Jaws is the best example, right? Is one of the great horror movies. You don't know why that shark attacks. It doesn't matter why yeah. that shark yeah. attacks. The, what matters is that shark attacks. Yeah. And then how do the people deal with it? Like, oh, that's the story we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm fighting mad now. Yeah. Oof. After the birds, everything went downhill. Did it? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, after the birds, everything went downhill. He was sort of chasing the success of Psycho. The birds actually didn't do very well, and it wasn't very well received. Although it's gone on to be like like you and I have that it's oh right we, we adore it, but I think it's not a great movie right. in the way some it's more of the just others like are. creep scary yeah it, that happened to us <laughs> and there's fun stuff in it and mm-hmm. like hearing the stories about um about how how. The actress was... It was really bad. Yeah. Like yeah, she had it was bir- even live worse. birds taped to her. Yeah. She had live birds that she was put in a cage and they were like thrown at her. Yeah. She well, this is her... before PETA was on set, huh? Yeah. I mean, they did some bad stuff to the birds and to her. It it was it was not good. So um, he made after that a series of movies where I think there were a lot of compromises involved um, and he was sort of chasing stuff that was popular. Like James Bond had started to become popular. Oh, uh-huh. So he did a spy movie and it wasn't very good. It still had thriller aspects. And he did um, a couple of things that were more, you know, they were in the thriller genre, but they were sort of outside what Hitchcock really does until Frenzy, which was, I think, his final movie. Um, and Frenzy. And he did that in uh, Britain. He, like, yes. he had returned. He went back yeah, to yeah, England. Yeah. That was in 1972. Um, and I can't remember why he chose to go back to England, except that it seemed real, right, and full circle And um, Frenzy is. Not a great movie, but it does come back to all of Hitchcock's obsessions where it's about watching and it's about violence on women and it's about um, 
sort of a pure cinema experience uh, in that, like, the camera is moving a lot more than it does in his other movies. Uh, and it, it was pretty it was pretty well received and it did very well. So he went out on a note that he could be proud of. And he did not plan for that to be his last movie. He was, I think, 80 at the time, mm-hmm. but wanted to keep making movies and then until his health just failed him. Yeah, he would end up uh, passing away about eight years later in 1980. Mm-hmm. And couldn't um, get anything off the ground in that damn, time. Damn, eight years later and eight years before we were born. <laughs> we count down. I think that's what's really important. <laughs> yeah, it's eight years uh, before you were born. Uh, so before we wrap up, I just want to touch on another thing that was, you know, semi pretty popular, which was Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which was an anthology series that, like we said, was hosted and produced by him. Uh, yeah. It aired on CBS and on NBC. Yeah, I remember this because this was the big, uh, big show that had the intro of him walking into a silhouette. And I got to say, it's a pretty baller move to like have your <laughs> gut in the silhouette. Because me, it would have been a silhouette with a nice bulge, six pack. And he was like, nah, I'm going to get the whole mm-hmm. rotund gut. You know? All 300 pounds. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he you can go back and watch it. He joked a lot. There was a lot of comedy in it. Yeah. He joked about himself. He, you know, yeah. So it was a, a series of literary anthologies, essentially, that they did, and I think mo- I think some of them you can watch. I think most of them you could probably still watch. I think they're out there. I think they're on Hulu or something. Yeah. Are you familiar with them? I know there are great ones, but I don't really know. Them. I don't really off the top of my head, yeah. but I mean, other than that, a lot, you know, thriller anthologies were big at the time. Um, I bet if you go on the AV Club or something, they have a list of these are the 10 you should watch. Yeah, yeah so one of them is uh, among the most famous episodes is Ronald uh, Doll's Man from the South, which came out in 1960, starring Steve McQueen, and right. uh, and uh, in which a man bets his finger that he can start oh, his lighter right. ten times in a row. Yes, that's a great episode. Yeah, and Peter Lorre. It was ranked number 41 on TV Guide's 100 Greatest Episodes of All Time. Oh, nice. Uh, the episode was later referenced and remade in the film Four Rooms with Quentin Tarantino directing a segment called The Man from Hollywood. Oh, instead yeah. of his finger, it was feet, right? You know, who knows? Probably. The cutting off the finger in Four Rooms is the only good 30 seconds of that movie. <laughs> it's so, no joke, like it's so well executed. Yeah. Like the editing is so tight and so interesting and the build up to it is so good, but it lasts like 30, 45 seconds and it's perfect. Oh, man. The rest of the movie can go hang. So uh, I think we we tackled his biggest hits. We yeah, couldn't yeah. tackle everything, but we got a little bit into his mindset and some of the problematic issues, which again, it's okay to talk about the problematic things of the things you love. I think yeah. ignoring them is absurd. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely, especially when like, I'm sorry, it kind of influenced it, you know, for better or for worse. So you, I feel like you do kind of have to in this situation. But uh, no, that that was it. And, that, you know, let us know if you have some Alfred Hitchcock films that you love and uh, definitely add a synopsis for it and where I can see it because <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock ain't on Netflix, y'all. I don't know what's happening. Oh, also, if you are a Hitchcock head and you haven't been, it, go on the tram ride at Universal Studios. They always stop in front of his office and it has his silhouette on the window and they're like, he used to write right there. <laughs> Did and, he? I, I don't know. It's it's funny because like 
Are you kidding me? That guy went out to lunch to eat. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I can never work in, in the offices. I always do most of my work outside of where I should I just want to know, like, that. I can understand if that's the building they relocated it, but that specific one right there. Yeah. Well, he took should... the tram to it every day. Yeah, we should ask our universal friends. I know. They would know. Is the psycho house still there? Yeah, okay. it's still That there. won't go anywhere. Yeah, and that's they really still cool. tell that j- joke about when Jim Carrey was shooting on set. Oh, you you, you haven't been, been on a tram when they tell you the story. So ten years. apparently, one time Jim Carrey was shooting on the lot, and he got in a dress and hid in the house. And during one of the tram shows, runs out with a knife and dress and freaks everyone out. And I was like, Why couldn't that be mine? <laughs> Why couldn't I get that experience? That was tight. <laughs> I would love the idea of Jim Carrey just hanging out there still. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't he's care. not shooting over there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Also, I like the idea of like there had to be a good fifteen minutes of him just sitting at dusk, probably <laughs> right. creepy waiting house, for waiting people. to hear. From... It's like, all right, they're here now. I love it. I was gonna say, I know. Also, if you're a big Hitchcock head, I guess hit up uh, or any of these black and white films. Hit up uh, Alicia Malone because she's the host over at Turner Classic Movies. Yeah, yeah, is constantly living that life. I think she wishes that she was back in that time. <laughs> yeah. Um, or you know, tweet at uh, at Ben Ben Blacker and do it. he and do, do, oh did you say do, do it? it get into yeah. it and, I'll talk about it with you and, 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 and tag you know Alicia and just get all the yeah get all the big... people that are yeah um, Ben when is uh, Hex Wives dropping again I'm glad you asked it's out on Halloween oh, oh that's so wow. dope yeah. uh, if you're here in L A what is, this comes out before Halloween right yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, if you're here in L A I'm doing a signing at Golden Apple Comics at 10 a.m. We love Golden on Apple. Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Uh, come yeah. have a coffee with me in yeah. the morning. Bring him a coffee, people. <laughs> right. Fun and fact. <laughs> Golden Apple was where Image Comics had their first signing. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, was that the insane really? one where there were helicopters yep. and stuff? You can learn that, about Golden that Apple. in oh, our yeah. Image Comics episode. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Self I just self redeemed self-plugged. a uh, a a uh, gift certificate given to me by Jordan Morris uh, that I forgot to use for two years. And, uh, you know. Those don't expire? Yeah, yeah. You're fine. You will use it. Come out and buy Hexwives. Ben, did you give your handle? Uh, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Ben Blacker. It's my name. It's also my Halloween name. Love it. I, I refuse to change mine. So, yeah. Mine's dark enough. Mine is, is, I think, only people who know how my name sounds works because it's Ify Shagul Day. I like it. Uh, but everyone's like, what are these amalgamation of letters? <laughs> but, um, I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez on all the socials. You guys be nice to each other out there, please. Um, it's the world is really rough, and I just see a lot of awfulness, uh, in particularly directed at me. Uh, and you know, I don't know. There's another person on the other side of that screen. So just this is why we do our podcast. We want to bring back the joys and beauty of fandoms and the things that we all fell in love with as kids and, and try to remember that. That's all I got. Yeah. Um, and for me, uh, speaking of joy, I'm doing a show October 25th at 8 p.m. Uh, if you want to be happy, how about you come down to Highland Park? It's a bookstore. It's called Laughter House 5. Uh, it's a nice Slaughterhouse 5 reference. Uh, come Come through. It'll be fun and great and you know highland park's good you could go to highland park bowls been way too much money to go bowling great uh, pizza though oh yeah the pizza is right mm-hmm. go yeah i'd go for the pizza don't bowl <laughs> like like mooch on some friends go to a party be like hey you mind if i do slang a few balls uh but anyway it, this has been fun 
Ben, thank you so much for coming on. We've been goofing. This is probably one of the top goofiest, craziest, joke-filled uh, episodes, and I thank you for it. Big shout out to Dan D for the research. <laughs> his his last name is Goodman. I don't know why I had a D there, but uh, Dan, it sounds good. Yeah, Dan, double Dan, D. Yeah, yeah, double D. Dan Goodman on the research and the editing. My man Zach McKeever in the booth, always pressing buttons or whatever he does over there. He makes there. it sound good. Yeah, and uh, you know, stay spooky, everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.